Hello and welcome everyone. For YakimaValleyHops.com, my name is Caleb Schwecki and this is the Late Edition Podcast. We are coming at you from the heart of hop country here in Yakima, Washington, where we have the privilege of speaking with thought leaders in the brewing industry. In this episode, we are joined by Daniel Cardenas, director and producer of the documentary film Hopped Up. Daniel talks about what he learned about the craft beer and hop industries after working on this project for five years. He retells some of his favorite moments from the film and talks about the challenges he faced. Daniel also celebrates a big win at a local film festival. Enjoy. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Let's just start off by telling people who you are and what you do. Well, with regards to hops, I made a little movie about it. We spent a little bit of time on it, uh, five years. It's called uh, Hopped Up, and it's going to be playing in um, Tyatin on September 30th of this year. We're really excited to premiere it and to show it, and I really appreciate you inviting us me on to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, coming over here, joining us in Yakima. How was the drive? Oh, the drive was great. I love going through Yakima Canyon. I always take that cut off. Don't tell anyone about that road, but it is the most amazing road and just puts me in this kind of zen level. And I've driven that road every time I come out here. We came out here at least 10, 15 times for the movie. And going through that Yakima Canyon drive is amazing. It's beautiful. Very cool. Very cool. So five years. Wow. You spent five years making this film? Yeah. It started out where I got hired to shoot a couple of hop breeders and I shot a public hop breeder and a private hop breeder and came out here and I go, this is kind of interesting and put that together and I go, wow, this is like really kind of interesting and it's really popular in the craft beer area. And I didn't have any idea that Yakima was was this uh, big on the map. And then I, I did a little bit more research and I go, man, this is pretty pretty interesting. And I, I asked some more questions and found out that there's four or five generations of people growing hops here in Yakima. So I thought, well, geez, I really would love to make a, a movie about this and kind of just did it. So, I mean, that seems like a daunting task. Like, how do you structure a narrative around a plant? Well... It was a real kind of a line in the sand. I in I was a time in my career where I shoot a lot of uh, commercials, a lot of short form, and I was really didn't wasn't getting juiced out of that. So I thought, well, I'd really like to make a long form piece, and I really would like something that is evergreen, something that's not put on YouTube. That you know, next week, what's next? What's next? And that's with my regular day job as a, as a commercial director, that's the kind of stuff we do all the time. And so I always felt that it was, there was never any uh, longevity to these pieces. So I kind of said, well, I'd like to make a feature film. That was kind of the, the holy grail of people to do that. And so uh, I just plugged away at it and plugged away. And, and uh, to be quite honest, and I'm embarrassed to say, there was no outline. It was completely exploratory and see what I came up with. I tried to craft some storyline going into it, but nothing really came of it because I didn't know that much about the industry and the families and what I could get. And basically 
what we end up getting was where we had access. And so from that point on, then I worked with my editor and we created a beat board, a storyboard of the five or six different topics of the movie. And that's, and then we address those parts and we said, what do we have on this? But there was always a thread that ran through it. And the more I interviewed people and a, craft brewers and, and beer enthusiasts and people in the beer industry, there was one thing that kept popping up in my mind was that what is it about craft that people are so into? And it's not just in the beer, it's with, you know, the local, local vores and the people with food and where was it grown, you know, all these things that it was very prolific in the craft beer industry and I felt you know these people come to Yakima to meet the farmer who grew the hops what field did it come from and I thought that was just the ethos of that around an industry and something that is as fun as beer really kind of turned me on I guess it was kind of interesting yeah and there's you know so many different aspects to the story you said that there were like five main main topics yeah there was the science there was the growers there was the breeding there was the marketing and then there was the brewing that's kind of the five areas that we hit on and we partner i wouldn't say partnered but i found a brewery in seattle and to be quite honest at the time you know i was looking at the landscape of all the people that we interviewed and they were mostly middle-aged, older white guys. And I wanted to get some diversity into there. And so I found a brewery in Seattle that was actually, there was a female brewer and the other co-owner is a woman and the brewmaster is a guy and they're a married couple and another gal who used to be a science teacher and they're, they're the folks who own Stoop Brewing. So I wanted to get the two women in there. In, fa- in fact, I featured them in the film where they jump in a van, pick up some fresh hops. They get on the phone. They call Brad. Hey, get the wort going. We're heading back. And they, and then I have another crew it at Stoop Brewing. And so they pick it up there. They give him the fresh hops, and he puts that fresh hops right into the wort. So we're able to catch that. So I wanted to get a little bit of diversity in, into the film, and that's kind of where I ended up with people from Stoop. Nice. So you said you didn't necessarily have, you know, like an outline going into it. Was it something where you just interviewed as many people as you could and gathered as much footage and then kind of like, you know. That's kind of how a documentary works, the sense of of it, unless, you know, you, you highly structure it and spend a lot of time on the front end doing the research, which I did not do. I'm not really academic that way. And I kind of flew by the seat of my pants in that regard. But I'm also felt that approaching the subject with wide, eyes wide open made a good movie that way because it was totally, and I think that there's a lot of people like myself who would be interested in this topic, not necessarily really deep into beer or brewing, that, that it kind of made the audience a little broader than this very special interest to beer drinkers and, and enthusiasts. So like, what's, what's your stance just generally on documentary filmmaking? You know, like, do you kind of like subscribe to like journalistic integrity or do you go at it with, I want to portray this idea or this thing in this particular way? Or what's, what's your approach to? 
documentary? Well, I do have a bit of a doc or a journalism background in the sense that I was a, a news stringer, and I always felt the ethics of telling the story clearly and from my point of view. Whether and you know that when you three people can see a car wreck and they all see this different things. Journalistically, if you ask enough questions and get the facts, then you portray it in that sense. I really did not have an agenda for this besides my own exploratory and to create a feature film that had an interesting topic. Right, right, and and you did mention that this was entirely like you know like self-funded. You didn't get any outside funding, so you know how would that have affected? Early on, I, I approached some uh, hop distributors and hop growers to to see if 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 I could get some funding for it, and probably didn't try hard enough or try to look for the sponsorship on there. And I guess going back to my comment about the research aspect of it, I guess I could have done some research and see, you know, done it, but I kind of really just wanted to make a movie. After a while, when I, I was trying to get some funding for it, I, I really decided that I was in a position where I can self-fund the movie. I had a staff of people. I have camera, I'm myself, I'm a cameraman, but I also have an editor and a sound man and a, and a drone guy all on my staff. And so I could run it through my business. So my business, we, you know, we do a lot of corporate work, but this was kind of a fun thing. We'd go on a, take a Friday, go to Yakima, shoot something, spend the night, come back or spend you know, shoot on a Saturday, or a lot of times I went by myself or with another person when we would shoot. But at one point, I decided that I did not want to have any sponsorship for it because that would paint a different picture than if I just were to document it. And that's kind of in my back of my mind, having it play on, let's say, PBS, they would not take it if it were sponsored by, let's say, a, a big hop distributor. So when you were coming over here to film, what were was there anything that you and the crew really looked forward to doing in Yakima when you were here filming? Puerto Escondido. We would go to the great Mexican restaurant that we would have seafood there. Have you ever had their pulpo that's a octopus? Oh, no, no. Yeah, you would think, okay, octopus out in the desert, Yakima, central Washington, probably not a great idea. But I spoke to the owner there and they said they fly it in every day fresh and it's amazing, a big chalice full of, of uh, like a ceviche, but it's a pulpo, which is octopus with the, yeah. So we would always head up that place. Oh yeah, so much, so much good food, you know, taco trucks, just you know, yeah, amazing stuff all around. And, you know, uh, if we were in the fall or even the spring, it was always nice to get out of the uh, the gloomy Seattle weather to come out here and hang out in the, in the fields and, and um, get some sunshine and warmth. Yeah. And those fields, just watching the documentary, you got some beautiful shots of the fields. You know, they are, there's something to behold. Yeah, it was. And, you know, being kind of outsiders, if we, I plan to have come and spend like two weeks would have been the right way to do this. And just in, in bed in Yakima with a, with a, with a farmer and totally, but we just never could pull that part together. And so the part about in the summertime where, you know, you work all day and then we have to wait until the evening to get those beautiful killer 
golden hour shots. You know, by that time here in the summertime, that's what, 9.30, almost 10 o'clock. And, you know, and we were up at 6 a.m. in the morning already. So I probably would do it myself, but having a crew, they kind of like, eh, well, you know, and the other option is to start at noon and work till late. But I guess we weren't hardcore enough to get those. You know, we got a few of those, some time-lapse shots where golden hour uh, was happening. But the one scene where I am interviewing Leon Losa, that was probably my favorite scene. It was kind of a golden hour. That was a very last-minute thing. Brad Benson, who I interview in the film, referred me to Losa Farm because I did want to get also some diversity in the film and having a Hispanic hop grower from a ranch there was something that was important to me and he was very knowledgeable and very friendly but having the golden hour shot there where you can see kind of bugs clipping there and a backlight there but that was a really one of my favorite scenes in the, in the movie yeah beautiful and uh, you know so over the years how many people did you talk to how many people did you interview for i this? think we have a vip list that for the showing, in fact, you guys are on the list to just show up there. We're going to be showing it in uh, Mighty Titan. But I think there's 25 people. Several people got cut out. We ended up going to Montana to interview a fellow from a company that utilized spent grains and spent hops and spent even coffee grounds where they would do some kind of an extract and trying to search for a terpenes and some other chemicals from the spent industrial food waste or whatever so that they could find stuff that they were making biodiesel out of algae type of thing but they were doing stuff with hops that's fascinating yeah it was pretty cool and then there was another guy that didn't make it in the film in tampa florida where they were growing hops indoors in a uh greenhouse and in fact the guy who was their their uh i don't know what you call it the hop master <laughs> the, the main grower guy there he would actually worked in yakima for a while he was uh, i think one of the one of the farms here but he he was but he was from the florida area but he was running the hydroponic hops there and they were growing it and uh it's that's a feature that is going to be on the uh, blu-ray disc it's a cutout scene but it's it was pretty interesting at the end of the day we check back in with them maybe two or three years later and kind of put the puzzle together where they were doing hops but it was kind of a they switched gears let's just say they pivoted to cannabis whether it was a they could foresee that eventually legalizing it that they wanted to have it in place before i don't know but that's what they're doing now Interesting. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to include in the film that you just weren't able to due to, you know, time constraints? Yeah. In fact, I did go down the path, but it was a little tricky. And I really wanted to get the Hispanic perspective of the workers. And uh, one scene that was completely cut out is uh, I met some guys through someone else and they were staying in a, in a, like a, I don't know, it was a, farm worker or a hotel or something downtown Yakima, but they, they were, are, they were permitted in a certain kind of ag permit that they came from down way down in Mexico. And they came and they, a bunch of them lived in a, in a, like these 
boarding house or something, but they worked on the farms. And I kind of really wanted to get their perspective and which I did, but it was all in Spanish and it was kind of didn't get the B-roll of them in the fields working. But we did interview one fellow from um, Carpenter's Ranches and he's he's been there for 30 years, 40 years, something, and the guy's going to get a hip replacement and he'll he'll keep working. But those kind of stories are, you know, the, the more you ask, the more stories you under, uncover. So that's what I was finding. So at some point I just had to draw a line and say, this movie's getting way out of hand. But, you know, this, what we got was what we got. So we had to stop principal photography. And that actually only ended in... Um, March of this year, we were still shooting some things. In fact, we got Eric Nord from Scuttlebutt Brewery to talk about craft beer because we were missing a little element of craft brewers. So we wanted to get somebody from that perspective. But yeah, there's probably woulda, coulda, shouldas, but yeah, and there is so many different stories. You know, even even the story about how, you know, Junior Leon Loza, how they got the farm because his father had been working on the farm, yeah, 30, 40, 50 years, and then the owner wanted to sell it and, you know, they had to get some money together. And I believe the part of the story was is that Tom Carpenter actually helped him out or the Carpenter family somehow with, with his initial... I don't know exactly, but I think he, he mentioned Carpenter helped him out when he got going. And what was really interesting is part of the, I don't think it made it into the movie, but he was talking about even though, you know, the camaraderie between the growers, even though they're kind of bucking for their own stuff, but like, hey, if a windstorm came through and my trellis got blown over or my my uh, kiln burnt out or something, you can come over here and use our kiln to do this and really helping each other out as a community of growers and not, and it's fairly on a small scale if you look at industrial agriculture as a whole in the U.S., this is very hands-on. You know, they have a 700-acre farm, let's say, as opposed to 7,000 acres of you know, soybeans or whatever you're growing or corn or something like that. So it is a, a small, tight-knit community. And the thing, again, about the craft brewer people is they come there and the growers are like rock stars, right? They come in there like they, they, they don't know what to do with all this, you know, notoriety, right? And people come there and are really interested in, really, I'm just growing hops, you know, and sell it. They make beer out of it. But now they're getting into it, right? And they, they come and bring them, hey, this is a beer we made from your hops from that field. Really? Okay. And that's that wasn't like that before. Yeah. And you mentioned it, you know, like during fresh hop season, when brewers are out here picking fresh hops and going back and brewing, like there is such an excitement in the air. It is, it's an amazing time to be in, in town. And it's not just local people. People come from all over. They fly into Seattle and they come all the way out here. And there was guys that I met from Midwest. They came from Michigan, you know, New York. Another funny story is a couple of guys that I got sound bites from. They it might kind of feel a little odd in the movie. It was a guy... Andrew Gerson, and he's in New York City. And then Kelly Taylor, I believe that was his name. He was from uh, Brooklyn Brewery, I believe. And you go, where did those guys come from? And prior to actually shooting the first bits that I got with the growers, I had done some work with Eventbrite. And I actually spent a week in New York City for New York Beer Week. 
because they were doing all the events there were ticketed by Eventbrite. So there's a, a couple of shots. You can't tell where it is, but it's in Grand Central Station. And there's a shot of there's a, a kegerator where someone's pouring a beer. That's actually the opening night of the New York Beer Week in, I believe, like 2016 or 2017. It was just shot on a DSLR, I think. And so those little bits that I got there were from that. And there was another guy that we did a piece for a company that took recycled plastic bottles and made thermal cups out of. And so there was a a local brewery in Linwood, Washington, that was using their thermal cups. And they also sold them to, uh, let's see, Alaska Airlines. So they can have hot and cold in a plastic cup that was recyclable. Unfortunately, the company kind of folded, but... um, that's kind of some of the other footage I got. And I, for a while, I was kind of on a roll. Then I got the, the bit with the uh, growers, and I go, there's something here about the beer, the craft beer scene. And so that kind of piqued my interest. Yeah, and, and you mentioned at the opening of the show that, you know, some of these, well, that all these farming families, they go back generations, you know, three, four, five, six generations. Like, what's what what's that history look like? From my perspective or what it is, it seems like, I mean, it tells in the movie, it talks about how, and Tom Carpenter we uh, talks a lot about this in the movie, about in the old days, the big brewers would come in and just buy them and offer them whatever, and they can barely make a living on them. And I'm not a beer specialist, but they were chased, they were the alpha varietals, and now it's completely switched around, and so now you have the flavor profile with the bittering as opposed so they were on the big they were selling the hops to the mass produced beers that don't use the kind of hops we use in craft beer so they were it was more of a commodity as opposed to a specialized item and so through that and through persistence and hard work the brewers or the the growers bred different varietals for certain reasons, for for agronomics, for pest resistance and resistance to, let's, let's say, powdery mildew, what killed off the, the hops in Willamette Valley, Oregon. But uh, then they started doing this process, and that's all really fascinating as well. Yeah, there's so much that goes into hop breeding now. Yeah, absolutely. Did you end up editing it yourself? I did not edit it myself. One of my guys, my employees, Tony Capelli, is a very great editor. He's a, a, a Emmy Award-winning editor, has done a ton of reality shows and a lot of HGTV stuff. And so he's he edited it. I can't take credit for that, but he totally. And so between he and I, we crafted the story. But he was the one in the trenches looking at every SOT, sound on tape. is what we call that. All the SOTs, he went through them. We got them transcribed. We went through them and picked out lines. And so, yeah, we crafted the story that way. How many times have you seen it through all the way by now? Not as many as he has. Yeah, I believe it. Do you have a favorite line or a favorite interview? I think the Leon Loso one only because of, of I remember that day very specifically and and it was it was a, a just a, a really really good day I was very nervous when I did the the interview with Tom Carpenter he's very intimidating but then when I got to know him he's such a gentleman and like I said maybe I told you but he actually gave me a, a box of of peaches from his personal like his backyard or something when i i think after that time we shot and and he says sent me home with a box of 
peaches from his farm, from his backyard. And, and yeah, I was kind of intimidated with him, but he, he just plowed away. And I think a lot of people are, but I think he's a big sweetheart went down deep down. Well, cause he had a, that last line in the movie was his, right? I mean, that was powerful. Like that was, yeah, as, as a, as an interviewer, if you can, I mean, it sounds a little show busy, I guess, but if you can get them to show some real gut level emotion, then, then you know that it's, it's a good interview. Well, and that was, I mean, you can see his, I mean, his expression changed, like everything about it. Like that was, you know, that, that last line really, really encapsulated, you know, a lot. So, I mean, that was, that was an incredible way to end the film. Glad you made it to the end. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we had, we had quite the little viewing party. We made popcorn. We all like sat on the floor, got, you know, gathered around and yeah, it was, it was great. I'm honored that you did that. Well, it was, uh, you know, you know, a lot of fun to see the hop industry and experience it, you know, kind of from like an outside perspective because we've, uh, well, I mean, I guess you've been working on it for five years. I've been working here for five years, so maybe it's not much I of do remember when we came now. here and I'm pretty sure you were here and you might have been a little green at first. I think it was about five years ago and you were just the, the marketing assistant and you were kind of, you were hey, how you doing? And kind of, you know, this is, you know, because I think we arranged the interview with John Snyder through you. And maybe at the time you were just starting the inkling of doing a podcast or oh, we're going to do a podcast. I said, yeah, okay, great. You know, and so these guys, young guys in a, in a little warehouse thing. And now look at this place is amazing. I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you. You know, kind words. Yeah. It, I imagine it does look a lot different because yeah, where we're the room that we're sitting right now at the time when you visited four years ago, it was just filled with old junky computer parts. Huh. Hey, I got a, uh, something about a story that I wanted to share with you. We actually purchase some product from Yakima Valley hops. And in fact, in the movie, we made some beer to get some shots of home brewers. And I actually brought a couple bottles of our home brew here. But before that, part of the thought process of doing the film was doing what's called a biolapse and a biolapse and there's guys who do this and you see it on on nat geo or whatever where they lock a camera down and they, you actually do a time lapse of a of a flower growing so i thought how could we do this okay am i going to put a gopro out in the field and just let it go who's going to tend to it i'm not here maybe get someone to tend to it every day turn it on turn it off retrieve it get the footage so i had this brilliant idea haha <laughs> i had this brilliant idea of i bought some rhizomes from yakima valley hops and out on the hop field i set up a camera uh, with a 50 millimeter lens the same sensor size of the camera we shot with, which is a Sony F55, which is a 4K raw recorder on there, but we shot most of it in just um, 4K XAVC. But anyway, I took a picture and I put a stick in the ground where I thought maybe that's where the plant would be and focused on it. And so it threw the background out of focus and that's the picture that I took. And so I got that and I had it blown up to about two feet by three feet. And I put that in exactly the same position behind this planter that we, that I put in our studio. And so we rigged a light, a grow light for this 
rhizome to grow. I sprouted it and actually took some of the hemp from one of the farms and I brought it down from a C stand so you could start to see the the uh, bine going up the twine, right? And so we got a uh, made a little project for the team. One of my guys, we got a uh, a Raspberry Pi, which is a little $40 computer on a chip. And we were able to program it to trigger a power supply that would turn off the grow light, turn on a LED camera light, trigger a picture, turn off the camera light, turn on the grow light, and an hour later do it again. So every hour we had one frame. And so the idea was we would get this this hop plant growing and we would interstitial use it as an interstitial shot through the film of kind of the growing of the hop and that was working <laughs> it took a lot of trial and error but I, I took off for a long weekend and and I came back and no one watered it and somehow it was full of bugs and the thing died oh no yeah so we didn't get to use it in the film oh no yeah well I mean it's <laughs> they are kind of tricky Especially inside. Yeah. Yeah. We grew we grew one here for a time lapse, but just two weeks. Oh, okay. Yep. What'd you do for the time lapse? We just had a GoPro plugged in and yeah, we're able to Yeah, because I in the summertime you can they can grow a foot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In, in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And actually we learned something fascinating from that. So I had always been under the belief that they followed the sun. That's what I've heard from a lot of farmers, you know, like when they're uh, when they're growing up because they grow clockwise around the twine. I was always told, you know, they grow that way because they follow the sun. But we we only had a static grow light on ours and it was still doing the helicopter in the clockwise motion. It was fascinating. So, you know, there's some just mechanical function of the hop. Maybe it's the gravity or the pull on the northern hemorrhage. I wonder if the ones down south in has in. Australia go the other direction there next you time you're there. Or next time you make a southern hop, you know, southern hemisphere hop documentary, you can go we'll visit. Yeah. You know, the toilets go the other direction, right? Oh, yeah. What was your biggest challenge in making this film or going into the film? The biggest challenge was really as an outsider kind of getting accepted by the, the farmers. And after learning the history of kind of the backroom deals of people, you know, some shady operations from some distributors and whoever, you know, there's some history back there. And there wasn't a lot of transparency and uh, really is to gain the trust of, of a family farm that would allow me to come there. And they, you know, what is this guy doing? Why does he want to talk to you? Why is he hanging around? You know, you already talked to me once. What, what other thing you want to know? But when, the Carpenter family allowed me to come there. Uh, I got access to all of them. I got Tom, Steve, and Tyler. And then I was at the Brulot farm that Reggie was there. She didn't choose to be in the film, but she was very integral in letting me shoot there a lot. I probably shot there three or four or five times. And then Ron was, was a good guy to talk to. A lot of, you know, I guess he and Tom Carpenter and the Smith family were kind of the core. There might have been a few other ones, but, and I've also shot on the Smith farm as well. I think we came back at another time after that initial time we did that, the grower bit, we came back and shot a piece for Ales for ALS, the 
not or the uh, fundraising effort that the Smith family does every year. They have some hops they give, and they give the they they raise money for ALS. Yeah, at uh, Bailbreaker Brewing, you know, there's always an event there. Yep, the beers. In fact, we sh- we shot the the Smith children, the daughter and the son and the son-in-law when they first opened that brewery. That was for another project we did for for another uh, venture I have. Actually, it's called Northwest Live, nwlive.tv. There was a video that we did just kind of on uh, on on them. What was the most surprising thing to you that you learned over the five years? Just how, I mean, in fact, I'm in awe of your last podcast you did with a fellow from, a, a, a sensory fellow from Haas, a Michael, I don't recall the last name, but the depth of the business is something that totally blew me away. I said, okay, hops, and most people don't get hops. They don't get the fact that it's the flavoring profile. And listening to Michael from Haas talking about, I'm sure he's working with Dr. Shellhammer at OSU. He was referring to this this project they were doing. And I, I just had no idea how deep that was. Yeah, the science has really changed over the last 20 years even, but now now hops are showing up in everything from like baby diapers to they're protecting bees, just just incredible uses of hops. And in fact, there's a line in there from I think Jackie Brophy from the Hop Commission says it that beer is the only thing that hops is used for. But that was that was like four years ago, and she said that line. And since then, I think all these other things are coming out. And you know what's really fascinating is that now you'll pick up a a beer, or you look at beers in in a in a supermarket, and it'll say with made with Citra, made with Simcoe, hundred percent mosaic. And people are going, you know, it means something to me, but the the average Joe, I mean, what is mosaic? You know, it's you know, it's a it's a it's a, a strain of hops, and so to have that kind of trickle down to the consumer is just kind of shows how how widespread it is. One of the things that that you asked about, you know, what other things we could have talked about in the in the film, it's we just had to draw the line is a thing that we were going to add an interview about how the hard seltzer has impacting the craft beer industry and brands like White Claw are literally clawing away shelf space from craft beers, which is very, very interesting in a sense that really... Yeah, I mean, you could probably do a whole nother documentary on seltzers. I mean, they they are a worldwide phenomenon at this point. Uh, I mean, I still haven't tried a White Claw, but uh, one of their marketing bits, and I, I do a lot of research on, you know, kind of viral and digital marketing. There was a guy who was did a whole series of, of, of videos and they were just off color and weird. And, and he was, you know, being drunk on these, you know, white claws. I was like, what is this? You know, but. Oh yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Do you, you know, after spending so much time looking and learning about the hop industry, the craft beer industry, uh, do you have any, any insight as to where it's going in the next couple of years? Hard cider, hard seltzers, you know, it's, that's something, uh, but you know, I, I, the cider bit is 
that's an older or just as old as beer, I think, but that's also coming around too. In fact, a year before we made the beer in our studio for the film, I actually made a batch of hard cider. It was funny. It was a cold fall day. I'm looking across the street from where I live and there's a neighbor's tree with full of apples and they didn't pick them and they're dropping off like flies and they're, and I'm going, why aren't they getting these apples? So I, I went over and goes, Hey, I'm going to grab all your apples. Okay. And they said, yeah, help yourself, whatever. So I, I grabbed them and I cleared, you know, cored them, which I've realized later that you didn't even have to core them, but I, I cored them and then squeezed them and got all the apple juice and made a batch of, of hard cider off these street apples right it was pretty good actually yeah you can make cider out of anything (laughs) pretty much just let it ferment long enough no that's awesome i've had some really good like dry hopped ciders yeah some incredible incredibly you know like unique and different innovative ciders coming out now it's interesting where sometimes people just do crazy stuff that way there were these guys in oregon that i was gonna you know i i kind of tried to chase them down but they were putting things like moss and bark. They're brewing beer with things that were not, I guess, meant to be brewed, right? The adding for these, after, you know, flavors, you know, like let's try maple leaves, you know, and then even the bit with uh, pumpkin, you know, pumpkin ale, you know, I guess is a thing, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard pumpkin. I haven't heard uh, maple leaf. Yeah. But. I don't know. These guys are putting moss or, you know, wood chips or dirt or something in their, in their beer and kind of brewing it with them. But this is, let's keep Portland weird. Is that the saying? Yeah. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We actually just brewed a little five gallon batch here with some fresh spruce tips that we harvested and that turned out pretty good. So spruce tips yeah the 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 really young fresh green growth you know we went up in june it was june and yeah through through almost two pounds in five gallons a little bit of hops you know but yeah who is the brewmaster here on site me but i'm not sure if it was the if i mastered it it was it was my first attempt brewing with uh with those spruce tips a sweet setup you have so what is a five Oh, the, the the professional setup downstairs. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, it's a one barrel brew brew system, and then we have yeah two one barrel unit tanks and two two uh, barrels. So it we can ferment ferment some decent decent volume. And what is what is that for? Just experimenting and playing with new hops, new hop products. You know, getting to know getting to know the stuff. So on the on the. Your location here in in Yakima, by the way, the street, First Street, when you turn down it, it really looks like something out like of a out of a Batman movie or something, right? In fact, we looked at shooting on this street out here. I wanted to. There was a stand up I was going to do, but whatever. But but yeah, driving down, then all of a sudden there's this oasis called Yakima Valley Hops is right there, a big bright green sign on an otherwise bleak concrete walled full of i guess they're apple warehouses right or it's all the yeah apple warehouses fruit packing warehouses right. yeah and so you go down this road and then there you are but um it's it's pretty cool where you guys are it's a great great old building love working here so the documentary hopped up you just won best documentary at the ellensburg film festival yeah that was a shot of validation we put it out there we weren't sure we it's it's currently entered into five film festivals in fact today i should know if it got accepted to the 
Nashville Film Festival. And these are all film festivals besides the, the Ellensburg, but these other ones that I entered the film in were film festivals that were geared toward food and drink. And in fact, toward the end of the year in November, there's the Ambrosia Food and Drink Film Festival that is actually in Moscow. So it'd be interesting if we got that, got accepted to that, but we'll find out. But uh, there's a Nashville Film Festival, there's the Calgary and the uh, Toronto Film Festival. We'll find out if we get those uh, in the next month or so. Well, but you know, best wishes to you. Uh, congrats on the on the acclaim that you are already got. I bet that feels good after five years. Of oh, work. it did. It was a bit of validation. Uh, we're also we're showing it here in at Mighty Titan, which is a really cool place, about twenty minutes outside of Yakima. It's a it's a Thursday night prior to Fresh Hop Festival. We have a. It was more of a kind of a hand back to the community from my perspective because I've spent a lot of time in Titan. In fact, my friend Ed kind of runs the show there, started it, and we've crashed there. He let me we slip in their van out, use his restrooms in the parking lot there. But he also put me up several times when we came there doing some research on this. But it's going to be showing at the mighty Titan warehouse. But also on the other side of the Cascades in Everett on October 14th, we actually having we're having it shown at the historic Everett Theater. And we're currently looking to do a showing of it in uh, Bellingham and possibly Seattle too, but I just kind of need to work those those uh, details out. But definitely on the 14th of October, Historic Everett Theater, and September 30th at the Mighty Titan. That's Thursday night before, and the price of the ticket gets you some beer and some food too. Comes with beer. That's almost essential. There you go. For those screenings and viewings, is that something that you get like really excited about, or do you get nervous like as a creator? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I was so beside myself when I understood that, when you said that you had your, your group here see it. And, you know, we're doing some test screenings right now, and I am nervous as heck every time. I don't even want to be in the room. It's sort of like we just got a movie poster made, and I didn't even want to look at it. I mean, I designed it. I laid it out, and I'm just going, oh, am I sure? I'm sure something's typed and something's misspelled. The date's wrong. You know, it's just... We'll see. I guess the more showings, the more people that see it, you know, there's always someone who's not going to like it or have, you know, giving uh, some kind of comments about it. But it is what it is. It's out there. We threw it out there and we'll see what happens. Awesome. So uh, for the people listening at home, uh, where can they find it? Can they view it online? Can they buy it? It's the- not online. Currently, because of the film festival circuit, we don't want to l- release it yet. But you can go to uh, Yakima Hops Doc dot com and that's the film's website and there's the trailers there and soon we'll be having the blu-ray available we'll probably have it we're negotiating for some streaming uh deals right now so it might be end up on amazon or itunes we'll see what happens with that or some other probably secondary or third one but we're actually we're also working on self-distributing the film through Libraries is a one thing, which is actually a whole different story. It's a, a one way for independent filmmakers for documentaries can get a little bit of foothold on the on on their return on their investment for their films. That's fascinating That's because there are, there's a huge amount of people. You asked about documentaries earlier, and what do I feel about them? There are a lot of them, and kind of the 
the bar to entry, there's a lot of short ones, but when you kind of go into like, let's say a feature or an hour long documentary, you had to put something on the line for that one. That's kind of what, how I feel about that. So, you know, there's a lot of shorts that have done. I talked to you about uh, doing a, a short little 12 minute mini doc on some homeless bed solutions. And, you know, those have a topic, but to really explore the topic for a, a longer featured film it needs to kind of go deep. And one of the ideas when we did get into the movie was either you go very deep or very wide. So we kind of did a, a combo of the two. So, you know, you can have hop varietals and just go deep, deep, deep. But we wanted to go a little bit wider on this spectrum to include growers, brewers, the science, and uh, the marketing of, of craft beer. Yeah, and I think that helps, you know, kind of uh, weave a strong narrative because it does, you know, provide so many different points of view and interesting voices and characters. Uh, you've, you know, really talked with some incredible people in the documentary. So that was that was a lot of fun to watch. What do you have coming up next? Are you going to do Hopped Up Part 2? Are you going to do... I'm currently looking into another project. My goal is to produce in the next five to six years three more films, three more documentary features. And I've learned a lot on this one. We will definitely outline it and script it and try to shoot it in a lot shorter time. But uh, there are a couple of things on the drawing board. One of the main things is kind of I've been, been neglecting my day job part. So I kind of need to put a little bit of work into that once the film gets going. But uh, once that gets running uh, smoothly again, the pandemic kind of put a big, big uh, dent in the side of it. But uh, we're coming back as businesses are coming back and business is starting to roll. That'll come up. But um, hopefully uh, next year we can start on another one. Might have to do with chili peppers. I'm not sure, though, but very cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything that you feel like we missed? No, just I really thank you so much for letting me be on the show or talking to me. I'd love to talk about my film. I love to to meet new people and just chat with people. And uh, thank you very much for um, inviting me on. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. How did it? So you're usually the guy asking the questions, right? So how did it feel to have things, you know, kind of turned around on you? Great. I love to talk. I could talk to anyone. I mean, that's part of what I do, right? But um, I feel I could. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Daniel Cardenas, Hopped Up Doc. Thank you so much for being here. You can check it out. What was the uh, address again? YakimaHopsDoc.com. H-O-P-S-Doc.com. Thank you so much for being here and safe travels back. Be well. Thank you. Thank you.